This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs, introducing the new Firehouse Pub Steak Sub with savory steak, crispy fried onions, and our rich Belgian beer cheese sauce. On tap for a limited time. Order yours at firehousesubs.com today. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2018 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.13% of every purchase. You're listening to the Fantrax Podcast Network. Fantasy Sports Entertainment lives here. Rotoware.com. Rotoware. Big shout out to the Rotoware uh, company. It's so comfortable. Can't recommend them enough, man. Yeah. High quality t shirts. Shout out to Rotoware.com. You see me rocking the shirts on the videos and stuff like that. Where'd you get that? Rotoware. That is courtesy of Rotoware. It's just it's just the highest quality of shirts. Yeah, I really like the baseball designs you got here. The shirt is beautiful. Everybody who I've talked to who has the shirt basically says they can't believe how good the quality is. Yeah, kid, I've seen you've been getting a lot of love. You said you've been only running for a little over a month. DBS guys are tweeting out shirts. I'm seeing fantasy personalities everywhere digging this guy's shirt. I love the Run DFS shirt. It comes with the baseball cards with all the different shirts on it. Rotoware on Twitter. Check out rotoware.com. Oh my god, is this, is this shirt making love to me right now? Like, what's going on? I love this shirt. Hello out there and welcome to the Fantasy World Order Fantasy Baseball Podcast presented by the Fantrax Podcast Network. I am Pat Donovan, joined tonight by Mrs. Jack Flaherty, Mike <laughs> Ligatino. What's up, everybody? Did you see Jack tonight? Did you see him? <laughs> yeah, well, God. if I didn't see them, they're going to hear all about them, I'm sure, because oh, you're yeah. going to find a way to talk about him probably about every 10 minutes or so. And we also have Mrs. Elvis Andrus, Yo. Joe Saunders. Does Jack Flaherty have sneaky stolen base potential? <laughs> Hardy har har. Yo, if you got full time at bats, you could definitely swipe five. Yeah, thank God baseball's back. That's all I really want to say. Know, <laughs> all right, we have a uh, we've got a basically like a week one review for you guys tonight. We're gonna run through some players that have stood out that are um, lesser owned, some guys that we might have a little bit of concern about. Uh, and the closing situations from around the league. But before we get on to all that, let's just run through the news. Uh, Greg Holland signed with the Cardinals over the weekend. Like I said, we're going to talk about closing situations, so we'll defer to that um, for later. Um, so let's move up into some lineup issues with some speedsters from around the league. Popular and costly speedsters seem to be batting lower in the lineup. Trey Turner hitting sixth. Starling Marte hitting sixth, Byron Buxton hitting eighth, and Billy Hamilton rotating between first and ninth. What do you guys make of this, and does it change your outlook on these players? So, all right, Turner batting sixth is like the dumbest thing and one of the dumbest things in the history of baseball. I I, I, I completely have, disagree. Actually. I disagree too. What? How? Because he doesn't have a great on base percentage and Eaton and Rendon both get on base at like a 380 plus clip. Yeah, but isn't Rendon batting? What is, when is Where is two. Rendon batting? Oh, he's batting two? Rendon has been hitting two mostly. And there's no way you are moving God Eaton. I don't know. He's going to score a hundred billion runs. Billion runs. There's just like not many guys in the league who have Turner's talent. You want to get him those at bats, get him those stolen bases and I don't know, man. I 
I, I would, Nick, you sound like a manager from the 1940s. <laughs> <laughs> He's got speed, so I'm on the top of the lineup so we can steal some bases, put pressure on the pitcher. No, you want guys to get on base. That way Bryce Harper hits fucking bombs. They score. Well, it's not even like Eaton and Rendon are slow anyway. Um, the, the guy I think this hurts the most for me is Marte because Buxton um, – you know, we kind of had our reservations about. Some of us had our reservations about anyway. And Billy Hamilton stinks, so him batting first or ninth, it doesn't matter to me. But Marte, this kind of hurts. I think. See, it I does. think the guy that I think the guy that hurts the most is Hamilton, and I too am not Hamilton's biggest fan. But if he's not hitting first when he's in the lineup and he's hitting ninth, he goes from like two to one and a half category guy to just a one category guy. And that makes him like impossible to own, in my opinion, or at least I shouldn't even say impossible to own. It's just if you drafted him, you were really banking on him getting the leadoff role and scoring some runs and getting the extra at bats every game. And if he's hitting ninth, that's just not going to happen. Like this is a major, major issue for people that own Billy Hamilton, I think. It is. Winker's not off to the best start right now. So, I mean, his his OBP is he's got a four sixty two as we expected it would be high, but um, the batting average is kind of not as good. So there's still a chance that he can move his way back to the top soon if Winker continues to struggle. I mean, seriously, if if anyone is willing to trade you for Hamilton, I'd just do it immediately. It doesn't even really matter who at this point. <laughs> but we always, but we didn't like him. 80, we don't like him any which way. Like we don't like his ADP, so we just don't like him. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Okay, Nelson Cruz ankle injury. He slipped on the steps after hitting a bomb over the weekend. Uh, he was placed on the DL today, retroactive to April first. He's looked really good in the early going, but with a quad issue and now an ankle issue, are you leaning towards the selling side? Uh, no, I'm leaning towards the buying side. Go out and buy them. If, if if someone's scared of an ankle injury like this, and they're saying that it's going to be towards the short side of the disabled, so he'll probably come right back as soon as it's over. He's going to be fine. Just go go buy him now. Don't sell him. Couldn't agree more. Buying. Yeah, I'm definitely on the buy side as well. Um, and I think you might be able to get him at a pretty good price because with the quad issue and now the ankle issue and what's all right if if you're trying to get. What's what's a good price you think? Like what's doable for Cruz right now? Like we would be like, oh, that's a good deal. What about like Ryan Braun? Yeah, yeah. I definitely do that. That would I don't know if the the Cruz owner would take that. Yeah, I'm I'm just thinking of a name. What about like Starling Marte? Too expensive. Too expensive. And they're two different players. Uh, you know, you're oh, Chris Davis. With a K? Uh, yeah. no, yes. no, 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 no. I would. I would never do that. <laughs> hey, Nick, who do you own? Shut up. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Michael Conforto could be activated on Thursday. It sounds like he's going to be good to go. Do you think that Conforto returns to form, or are you selling because of the injury? I mean, I don't think you can sell, um, but I would definitely. See, I, uh, I disagree again. I think you can. I think now is the time to move. Do you think owners are really interested in buying Conforto, like non-Mets fans, owners? Um, 
I don't I, think people. I, don't, I think Conforto is kind of like. I don't think people know the talent, like around the fantasy sports world. I don't think people really see it. Well, my, my expectation is is that he's gonna like once he starts to play, he'll be. He'll go from a guy that was being drafted like in the two to two fifty range to almost a top one hundred asset. I mean, maybe maybe me and you have different perceptions of what his value is, but I mean, if he comes back right and looks anything like the player that he was last year, he's a really really good asset that probably would have gone roughly around the Ryan Braun, Yoannis Cespedes range in drafts, I would think. Where is he going to be? 100%. Where is he going to be in the lineup? Somewhere good. (laughs) Two-ish? I don't know. I don't know where they're going to hit him because he hasn't played yet. So, I mean, last year he let off for a good portion of the season. He could hit one. He could hit two. He could hit three. I don't see any way he's anywhere past four. Where's Bruce hitting right now? Four? Bruce is hitting four. Four, yeah. And Yo is three? Yeah, but they've already fluctuated. Like, Yo has hit two, and Bruce has hit three as well. So, you know, Mickey Calloway is still playing with his lineup. Yeah. Yeah, I see. I don't think I don't think anyone that drafted Conforto would be looking to sell right now, right? Because you drafted him knowing that he was going to start in the deal. So you're probably just sitting and waiting for him to come back. But that's, yeah, but that's kind of my point. That, well, that's well. That's my point. Is that if you didn't draft him, you let him slip past round like like twenty ish. Yeah, but so most people that let him slip were thinking that he was going to be out until like the middle of May. Now it's like the first week of April, and he's back. Mm. So you're not like in his price was like a missed month of time. There's no missed month now. It's like a week. Yeah. <laughs> So I think that it's a good time to potentially cash out and cash out for a good return and then not have to worry about re-injury or anything like that. I mean, I mean, maybe I'm misreading the market. I think you could find a buyer, though. Okay, Delano Shields, surgery on his hammock bone, expected to miss four to six weeks. Give me some cheap speed targets. Uh, so under 40%, I just got a couple of guys, um, Michael Taylor, uh, he's got a everyday role in that lineup. Now he could also give you some pop. Um, last year he actually had a decent average, which obviously is his floor. Like he could very well bat like 220, but, um, that lineup is really good. I thought he did hit like 220 last year. No, no, I think it's, I think it went up uh, last year. I don't have it in front of me, but I'm pretty sure it like went up like higher than it should have been. Um, Brinson is another guy to keep your eyes on. Uh, he's 36% old, owned. Um, and, of course, Jared Dyson, 6% owned. Uh, that's, you know, he's free right now. He'll get you some steals when he plays. Yeah, if I really needed the steals, it's probably Jared Dyson. I know he's not getting regular playing time, but uh, whenever he's on base, he's a threat to steal. Yeah, I had Brinson on my list. I also wanted to highlight Cameron Mabin. Um, so two Marlins there, bad teams could run. Um, or you could try and buy via trade a player like Peraza or Manny Margot on the cheap. They've both gotten off the slow starts and had the speed to run. Um, it's a tough spot, though, because the Shields was a guy that really 
rose up over the last month. So people paid up for him, and now you're without him for at least a month. Peraza's, um, an, Peraza's another one batting like yeah, seventh, I, right? I have Peraza, yeah. but he's does not look like the same player. Yeah, like he, he, he does out. not look good at all. Um, and by, by the way, Pat uh, Taylor hit 271 last year, surprisingly, but he had a 363 Babbitt. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Yep. Okay. So, uh, Carlos Correa left Monday night's game with a foot injury. Um, Joe, yeah, you're the Astro fan. Have you heard anything on this? As far as I know, they're uncertain about the DL. Yeah, he hit it inside the park home run today. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I missed that. So, yeah, he, he, he looks fine. Uh, I guess his foot was fine unless he was speeding around the bases on a rascal scooter. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, so some DL news. Uh, Steven Souza is making progress. Uh, it looks like he might get back sooner than expected. The Nelson's Lamet has MRI results have been listed as classified by the Padres. They're oh, just not going to no. talk about them. That's They're going to pretend terrible. that it didn't happen. <laughs> uh, Joe Musgrove on the DL right shoulder strain. He's been shut down. It appears that he had a setback. Matt Shoemaker forearm strain. Bad news that kept him out for most of the last year. He's on the DL. Parker Bridwell was called up to take his place. And Jake Lamb, an AC joint sprain. Um, they're hopeful it's not going to be a long absence. Um, do you guys think that this is the sort of boost um, or, or, the, or the sort of situation that can get Chris Owings into the lineup on a more regular basis? Oh, yeah. And plus, he looks really good right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, except they're playing Devin Marrero tonight. True. So. Devin Marrero, who is that? <laughs> no one knows. Okay, we're going to talk about some players that have stood out uh, in the season's first week, and I will kick it off with Tyler Skaggs. Uh, the ownership percentages we're going to mention are 12-team mixed leagues, and he is owned in 15% of those. I spoke about Skaggs on Twitter late last week, and I'm going to echo those thoughts again. Skaggs has flashed plus ability before. Um, in his in his outing, he went six and one third, five Ks, no earned. With Skaggs, it's going to be about consistency and health. At 15% owned, being available in most leagues, the injury downside is baked in. And as far as the performance goes, I I really like the Angels in terms of their defensive setup. Um, they're a very strong defensive team. They've got two gold glove shortstops in the infield. I think that might help Skaggs find some of the consistency he's been lacking. Yes, the control may come and go, but I think he's a guy that should be owned in more than 15% of leagues um, because I think there is considerable upside here. Yeah, I agree. I drafted him, and I don't know why I dropped him. Because you fell in love with Sean Newcomb. Who just well, got I've been in love wrecked. with Sean Newcomb. And I had to show, and I had to show some pride, um, and take my guy. But yeah, no, I listen. I like Skeg as well. Uh, the curveball is really, really, really nice. Um, I like to see him throwing even more than he did last year, and I think he could take the next step if he incorporates a third pitch. Uh, I know he has to change up, but he's got to throw it a little bit more, and he'll he'll be really good if he does that. Yep. Yeah, I've got really nothing to add. I'm on board okay. with Skeg too. All right, Joe, give us your guy. All right, so uh, my guy is outfielder Kevin Pilar. Um, so he's 34% Yahoo and 29% ESPN. Um, so in a world where everyone's pretty much trying to grab speed, um, and we were talking about the shields going down. So here's another guy 
who can kind of fill that role. Um, and I'm pretty sure he's going to be locked into the leadoff hitter role uh, fairly soon because he's hitting the ball pretty well. And after stealing three bases in one inning over the weekend, um, he showcased that speed real well. So I have a lot of faith in, in Pilar to uh, to put up you know something close to like 2020 numbers, really on the cheap. 2020 isn't really sexy anymore. Um, it is. Uh, it's not. It's not. It's not as sexy as it was. Yeah. Um. But he's a cheap, cheap source of speed, and he's pretty much like Lewis Brinson, but he's got a longer track record. Yeah, I like I like PR as well. Um, uh, we spoke about him on a previous podcast this year. You know, last year, uh, kind of, you know, he went sixteen fifteen under the radar. Which, you know, what as you're like third or fourth outfielder, it's really not bad. It came with a 256 average. And like you said, if he moves his way to the top of the lineup, there could be a lot of runs to score. Uh, then he would become valuable. Um, and so far this year, he's gotten on base a lot. Last year, obviously, and the year before, that was the issue with OBP. I don't know if he could bat leadoff with the OBP numbers he's had in the years past. But if he's able to get up to that like 325-plus mark in OBP, then he can move his way to the top, and he'd be really interesting. Before I give my two cents on PR, can you elaborate, Joe, as to why you think 2020 is not as interesting as it used to be? Because uh, I'm just not sure I agree with that. Well, because I just don't I, – I don't think the fantasy community at large thinks 2020 is as interesting. I'm not sure if I personally think 2020 is, isn't interesting. I, I have a ton of guys that are tw- like 2020, so I'm on board with the whole thing. I think people just don't uh, – with the home run environment, people don't see 20 home runs as uh, scarce. Um, so people are inclined to think that they can make up something like 20 stolen bases in other ways uh, with having big boppers, you know, everyone giving up 30 plus home runs. But I think these guys are valuable because they're, they provide you with pseudo two categories two like two categories. So yeah, I I agree and I don't agree at the same time. Like I feel like there are certain 2020 types that are um, or that were overvalued during the draft process. And then there sort of was a gap where anybody that was a 2020 candidate kind of fell down the board. And, you know, I'm thinking of like Brett Gardner, for instance, was somebody that we talked about um, who went 21-23, I think it was last year. And it just didn't seem as though anybody wanted him at his ADP, even though he had done that and done something extremely comparable to somebody like Andrew Benintendi. Um, Now, you know, we had the conversation about Benintendi's upside and whatnot, and I understand why. It's just, to me, it's like, it seems as though the market was sort of inconsistent in that sense. And I think that's, that might be what you're getting at is, is that for, for a select few cases, the market was certainly buying that sort of skill set. And then for others, the market was happy to let those guys fall down the board. Yeah, even someone like AJ Pollock comes to mind, right? Like everyone is okay with spending up on Pollock, who probably has closer to like 30 stolen base upside, not 20 stolen base upside, right? But still, he's like a, a 20, 30 type that people are oh. very willing to pay. To are you okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, that was me. I just watched. I'm sorry. I'm watching the Astros game. I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
Did Colorado's Correa hit another inside the park home run around no, the base? Adam Jones scored one, and then Bregman just made an insane throw to first. It was like a great play. But go ahead, I'm sorry. So, so business as usual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. So for PR in particular, I'm a little hesitant to buy in. He's done this before. He's shown in bursts that he has the sort of potential that I think we've we all see in Kevin Kiermaier. Um. You know the, the the ability to hit, you know mid teens power, steal twenty five bases, hit for like a two sixty five two seventy ish average at the top of a lineup. That's pretty good. But PR also somewhat similar to Kiermaier can go Corey Dickerson cold and just hit a bunch of pop ups and just always seems to end up fifteen homers, fifteen steals, two sixty with like a sub three hundred OBP. Um, so, I mean, what he's done is notable and it's worth watching and I don't mind taking the shot on him if I've got the space, but I just don't know that this is going to be some sort of breakout as opposed to something that the repeat of something that we've already seen. Okay, Nick, why don't you give us your first guy? All right. So, uh, below 50%, uh, I have, uh, Josh Harrison, who's batting lead off right now, uh, for the pirates. And he looks uh, very good so far. And last year kind of went under the radar as well for Harrison, who in 542 plate appearances hit 16 home runs, stole 12 bases, and batted 272 with a 339 OBP. Um, the year before that, he had 19 steals. And the year before that, he had 10. And the year before that, he had 18. And then 19 before that. So the stolen bases are there. I don't think there's any arguing that. And now he's going to get the plate appearances. Uh, plate appearances. So if he gets close to 600, he could very well steal 20, and he underwent a swing change last year, and it showed big time. Uh, 16 home runs and 542 plate appearances. I wouldn't be surprised to see him at 20 home runs this year. Uh, so far, he's looked really good. He's walking a ton. I know it's super short sample size, but uh, he's continuing where he left off last year. And if honestly, this Pirates lineup is really not that bad. For some reason, there was like, Pre, uh, in spring training and in the offseason, I was like thinking in my head, wow, the Pirates are going to be really bad this year. They made a lot of changes. But the lineup's still really nice, especially if you are a believer in Josh Bell like I am. So I don't know. Josh Harrison's just a guy to keep an eye on. Yeah, I agree, actually, especially when it comes to the Pirates lineup. I mean, they're everyone knows I'm obsessed with the A's lineup, but they're sort of Oakland East or Oakland Central, depending on how you look at it. Like, there's just not – a really the, the line the lineup the, what the lineup lacks in probably name power and star power it makes up for in depth um you know aside from Jordy Mercer I don't think that there's a bat in there that's not bad um and you know I, I like Colin Moran a lot uh Polanco I'm going to talk about later I think might be on the verge of a breakout Bell has a great approach and I, I think he may be undergoing a swing change Marte has always um, been a productive player. So they've got a lot of pieces there, and Harrison hitting at the top of that lineup is is an attractive piece that's probably available in most leagues. Yeah, uh, Nick, you, you kind of chimed on it a little bit. Uh, I mean, the, the walk percentage is up, but it's really only 21 plate appearances. Um, I don't hate it, um, but I would like to see a little bit more before I'm, like, all in. But for an ad, I mean, everyone here is so cheap that I don't think any of these players 
that we've mentioned yet are like particularly bad ads. Yeah. Okay, my next guy is Yonder Alonso, 45% owned. People that has to go higher. This guy is really good. <laughs> he crushed lefties all spring, and his first homer this weekend came on a grand slam against James Paxton. His at-bats have been really quality. He has played every day and hit four or five in the Cleveland lineup, which, of course, is a very good lineup. Playing every day with the potential improvement against lefties, he could be a 270-30 homer bat with 100 RBIs in the middle of that lineup. He was a bargain all offseason. We said it repeatedly. And if you can still get him for an overall top 200 price, you should buy. You should buy big time. Because, I mean, this was a guy that was going, I think his ADP was like 300 plus for most of the offseason. So you might be able to find somebody that still doesn't believe and go out and get him if he is not available in your league. Yeah, I'm a believer. I've always been a believer. I, I liked him way, way, way back in the day when we first started doing the podcast. Yeah, you liked him when he was hitting like six home runs <laughs> in San Diego. Yeah, but you know what? The skills are there. <laughs> like five years later. Yeah, that's actually true. I, really I, I, yeah, I used to love him. because that's, uh, that's like Nick's like motto in life. The skills were there. Well, listen, you know what it is? He was he, His OBP was always like ridiculous coming up. And when he was in AAA, AA, when he came up with the Reds, and then when he went to the Padres, it stuck. Uh, it was just a matter of time before this guy who's really like a monster i don't know how he wasn't hitting home runs back then at 6 one um but now yeah he's he's awesome and if he if you're in an obp league he gets a really really big boost as well last year 365 obp this year already 412 um and you look at the years past like i said obp is definitely one of his best strengths i'm a, I'm a believer um there's no reason to doubt this guy's power anymore he's going to continue to rake and um um, I, I like it a lot. I like it yeah, a lot. I was a little worried about the power, but if he keeps it, um, yeah, there's nothing really not to like, especially in an OBP league. Yeah, let me just add because, you know, if you are worried about the power, keep in mind that outside of a very short stint in Cincinnati, this is going to be the first time this guy's playing in Ayers Park this good. Cleveland is very, very good for lefty power. So um, even if you're thinking the power might have regressed to about 20, he could still get up to 25 just because of the ballpark. Okay, Joe. Next guy. All right, next guy we've talked a bunch about, um, and he's just – this is just stupid. It's Marcus Simeon. We've we've talked about him to death, so I'm not even going to discuss why he, sh- he should be owned, aside from the fact that uh, he's got a good shot of finishing, you know, around 12 shortstop overall. Shortstop's pretty stacked. And well within top 15, especially if he paces out like last year. And even if he isn't starting for you, so I I think that this has some play. Even if he isn't starting, I think he's worth owning because if someone incurs, has, if some team in your league has an injury at shortstop, they're going to come knocking on your door and you can trade Simeon for a a nice price. Yeah, but this is supposed supposed to be who has stood out to you. He has no home runs and no steals, and he struck. He's striking out a lot right now. So, I don't understand how he stood out to you so far. Oh yeah, because it's. I, I'm not really that worried of after five games. This guy stinks. Sick of hearing about yeah, it. Yeah, that's false. Why don't you go back and talk about Sean Newcomb some more? Is that is that who your next guy is going to be? You're going to tell us no, how good Sean no, Newcomb is. I, I actually can't wait to talk about my next guy. 
All right, go ahead. It's your turn. Well, do you want to jump in on Simeon or do we need to? No, I don't need to add to it. Everybody knows what I think about Simeon. All right. All right. So, uh, (laughs) My next guy definitely deserves some love, Joe Panic, um, a guy who has definitely underwhelmed as far as power and speed go over the last couple of years, but has maintained healthy averages. And uh, it, it, this is another guy that definitely passes the eye test. He's not in my segment later, but I just wanted to mention that he definitely passes the eye test. Uh, an excellent hitter last year in September was absolutely ridiculous. I don't have it in front of him. I believe he batted over 400 uh, for the entire month. And then this year to start off has been really good. So I looked into it a little bit, and uh, it seems as though he had a little bit of a change at the end of last year. He said that he started choking up on the bat, shortened to swing more, and he's making better contact, and he's hitting the ball all over the field now. To hit another home run today, he already has two on the year. I think he has three now overall or two. I'm not sure. He's got three. Uh, he's got, so he's got, yeah, he's got three now. Um, this lineup is much better. And like I said, he's a really, really smart hitter, and he's the kind of guy that could turn – um, last year's 10 home runs, I think, into something like 20, and who turned a 288 average into something like over 300. He's that good a hitter. Uh, last year, the strong OBP 347. This year, it's already 438. I haven't projected the rest of the way for 20 home runs, eight steals, 310 average. 310 is definitely the up is is definitely the shocker out of this. No, um, no, the, the power, 20. the power. Yeah, but I'm a believer. I'm a believer. He, he, he said he made the change, and I, I see it, man. The swing looks good. This kid could hit. I'm all over it. Uh, Well, so I think, it, I think it'd be really tough for him to bat 310 and get power. I mean, then we're talking like Daniel Murphy. a completely different guy. So I'd be honestly really surprised if he did both. I mean, he could potentially make a ch- he could have potentially made a change and get the pop, but to go along with a three ten batting average, that's crazy. Um, so so real quick, and just to just to give you the stats from last year, um, for August, September, and October, uh, he batted three oh five in August, and then three seventy in September, October. Um, what was the so, ISO? Uh, I don't have that in front of me. I have to go and look for it. Good, good, Pat. You could talk discuss him. Yeah, I sort of echoed. Joe's sentiments when it comes to this. I mean, if he's going to become a true power breakthrough, in all likelihood, he's going to sacrifice some batting average, which I think he would take, um, you know, because I think he's more useful as like a 275, 280 hitter with 20 homer pop, as opposed to a 300 hitter with 10 homer pop. Mm-hmm. Um, they seem pretty content to have him bat near the top of the lineup against righties um, with Austin Jackson batting near the top of the lineup against lefties. Um, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic that he can be useful in deeper leagues, you know, your 15 teamers plus, um, or at least he's worth riding the streak in those formats, Uh, 12 team mixers. I, I have to see more. And I imagine in most 12-team mixers, um, someone's going to pull the trigger before me. Um, but, yeah, I, I could see a path to 15, 20 homers, 280. But I can also see, you know, 9, 10 homers the rest of the way, 300, and a lot of meh. I mean, yo, 20 home runs, that's like uh... – I mean, Brandon Belt barely gets 20 home runs. It's so hard to be a lefty in in San Francisco. Yeah. yeah. 
It's a tough. It's a tough ballpark, but he's a much better hitter than Brandon Belt. Oh. 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 <laughs> How dare you say dude, that, dude? Go look at last year, month to month. He batted over three hundred and one, two, three, four. Wait, so 12. did you get the ISO for me? No, I'm looking at something else right now. I forget the ISO. Yeah, that means that the ISO is like <laughs> six. Bad. Yeah, I'm gonna go look it up. <laughs> no, don't, don't do it. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> The point has the point has been made. The ISO is zero point zero zero six. Yeah, point oh nine five. Let's see what it is. Let me find it. Uh, okay, so next guy. All right, my next guy is Matt Chapman at thirty three percent. Chapman is a glove first player, uh, but I wonder if maybe we're making the mistake we made with Francisco Lindor again, um, and, and not that. Chapman has Lindor's upside because he doesn't. But what I'm refer- what I'm referencing is pigeonholing a glove first player as a glove only player. Chapman showed legitimate power last year and improved as he went along. Thus far, he has shown, you know, even improving upon that. Um, he's got multiple homers. Uh, his strikeout rate is in the low twenty percent. His walk rate is over ten percent. Um, He's hitting righties. He's going to see a ton of volume because of the glove. And even at the bottom of that lineup, that bat could play given the power potential. And he could be a useful utility or corner infielder uh, if your roster provides for it, or even just a good reserve piece. Um, And even though that lineup is pretty good, there is some room for, I think, him to move up to the middle of it, you know, in that four, in, in, in the five, six hole. I could potentially see him moving up there. Yeah, I, I like Chapman as well. Um, I had him on my list, and you called out that you had him on yours, so I, I just gave him to you. But uh, so far, the the OBP is really nice. He's walking a lot like he used to uh, before coming up last year. Um, he's a guy that will, I think, walk over 10%. And the only problem is the downside with the strikeouts. I don't think 23 and 0.8, what it, which is – which is what it is right now is sustainable. He'll probably finish up around 30 ish. You'll agree with that? Well, I think last year he shrunk the strikeout rate as he went along. I think he got off to a slow start when he got first called up and it kind of led to that number being a little bit higher than it was over the course of, you know, his big substantial chunk of playing time. He, he was sort of similar to Matt Olson like that. They both, have strikeout numbers for the full season that don't reflect what they did for a majority of the time they were up. So I, I think the strikeout rate for Chapman's going to be closer to twenty five percent than thirty percent. Really? All right, that's a, that's a yeah. nice drop. What do you then? What do you project his uh, batting average for? That's the question. I think he can hit about two sixty five. Oh wow! I think really? he, I think he wow, could be kind of similar to like a poor man's Kyle Seager. I mean, Pat, you are definitely onto something. So, I mean, very arbitrary point, but uh, from September sixth, pretty much on, he was decreasing that that strikeout percentage, pretty much until the end of the season, and it tumbled. It went down to fifteen percent. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, fourteen percent. Yeah. So, I mean, he he definitely he definitely handled the bat better. Um, as the season went along, uh, and I, go ahead, but yeah, go ahead. 
Oh, I was just going to go back to Panic and his 139 ISO in the second half. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, I just interrupted you. Um, but no, to stick with Chapman for a second, no, I, I just want to say that I, I think the 265 is kind of wishful thinking. I haven't projected for like 235. Um, and I don't know, the 25%, it's just... That's that's a big drop from where he's been like, like in his minor and major league career so far. Yeah, but so I don't. I mean, he's gonna improve, no? I mean, yeah, I mean he, not necessarily. He might. He can. I mean, we don't know that he's going to improve. Like you said, he improved last year over time, but it could have just been a thing where he just did. But uh, you know, I, 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 even if he settles in around twenty nine percent, he's still gonna get you twenty five plus home runs. I haven't projected for twenty seven uh, with two thirty five average, so he's still a rosterable player. Uh, but he stood out to me so far this year just because of the stats. I mean, he's a 429 OBP right now. He's getting on base a ton. He's walking a ton. And he's just an interesting play to watch. He's definitely got a lot of power. He's still just 24 years old. And sneaky speed. He's got some sneaky speed. <laughs> Had to throw it in. Well, it's true, though. He actually does have some sneaky speed. All right, I'm up. Yep. All right, so uh, next up for me is Neil Walker, uh, 17% in Yahoo and 7% in ESPN. So Andohar is the uh, the hot name of the Yankees putting a few players in the DL over the weekend. But uh, I think this is a case of just getting out in front of everyone with Neil Walker, who with regular playing time in Yankee Stadium could conceivably hit 30 home runs. Um, will he get the playing time? Not totally sure. I think they'll probably shuffle names a lot. But... Um, I think when he's in, his at-bats are going to be plus at-bats. He's going to provide a lot of value when he's playing. So in daily formats especially, I think Neil Walker's got a lot of value. And I think now's the time to get in before that ownership starts to creep up and um, and you can no longer get him. Well, yeah. that and the injury bug because the injury bug will will bite at some point with Neil Walker. We know yes. I love Neil. <laughs> good analysis yeah. uh yeah i actually think that he's got pretty good power upside in that ballpark and i think we've spoken about that before uh, like i could definitely see him a full season pace of 25 bombs um oh easy because he he's he's got to to quote nick sneaky power does have sneaky power yes okay nick go uh, ahead let's talk about that Let's talk about Zach Granke for a second, please. Is that my next guy? Let me just make sure. Yes, Zach Granke. Um, all right, so Zach Granke's velo. Let's talk about that. That's 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 the uh, the star of the show here when you're talking about Granke. It is down, and it is yeah. down a lot. Um, mm -hmm. So I would be very, very worried if I were a Granke owner. Uh, the good thing is he's actually off to a good start. So, Joe, if you're the Granke owner and he gave you what he gave you that last start, are you moving him right now? So, first of all, you skipped a segment, but um, am I moving Zach Granke? Actually, not yet. Um, he looked pretty damn sharp, despite the, the dropped velo. So, uh, and we saw this last year, too, the dropped velo. So, no, not yet. Yeah, I mean, I had already moved him down somewhat substantially in the pre-draft process um, because of the concerns over his velo and just the fact that I'm 
I, I don't really see the upside with Granky, but not I'm not moving him based upon this one start. Um, uh, I, yeah, so to add on to, right, I'm in the same boat as Pat, right? So I wasn't particularly high on him. So if I got him, then I feel very comfortable owning him. This is my yeah. take. Yeah, you got him at at what is what would, be, what would be perceived as a good price according to the market. So, yeah. Well, yeah. what was the ADP on him this year? Approximately, he, he was like the he was like eleventh or twelfth. Yeah. Oh wow! So he was still going pretty high. Yeah. Yep. Yep. The market was still buying. Okay, um, my player that stood out in a bad way, actually homered tonight, Jonathan Scope, 98%. Uh, going into tonight, 118 batting average, 294 OPS, a strikeout rate over 30%. Obviously all small sample size, and you know that OPS probably went up substantially because he homered tonight. But it's the same old story with Scope. He has a history of batted ball profile issues, lots of soft contact, lots of infield flies, and he just seems like his timing is off at the plate. Now, you know, maybe tonight he had readjusted and found it possible, but with that lineup, I think he's going to be in trouble because that lineup is – kind of rough and it's going to run very very cold for long stretches because of the types of players that are in it including scope himself um you know they're all there's not a really a lot of obp in that lineup there's a lot of swing and miss and it's going to it's the weirdest thing ever and it's going to it's going to get worse too because inevitably they're going to trade manny machado yeah and once machado goes from that lineup it's not a pretty thing. Eh, it's not that bad. It's, it's like I said, there's going to be a lot of games where they score like three runs or less. I'm sure there'll be some games where they score 10, but <laughs> there's going to be a lot of games where they really, really struggle. And I don't know that you want too many pieces of that offense. Uh, yeah, I mean, we talked about scope a lot and uh, about his swing tendencies, his chase tendencies. Um, it's it's hard to really feel good about owning Jonathan Scope personally, but I still think he'll probably end up around 30 home runs. I just don't know what the batting average is going to end up like. I'm not worried about scope. I mean, he's going to be what we thought he was going to be. I think the batting average is going to drop a little bit from last year. I mean, he's definitely not a 290-plus hitter, but I think the pop over 25 is almost a lock. But the uh, the batting average obviously has downside, which is what we already spoke about. Okay, Joe. Give us right. your guy that you've got a little bit of concern about. Yeah, so it's Trevor Story. Um, he's owned in 92% of leagues. So stories look bad, and he struck out a ton in the short season so far. Uh, I'm nervous a little bit because of what we talked about in the uh, in the, the uh, in, during spring training and the offseason, um, and that he's got the star lurking behind him in the minors. Um, so the leash might not be all that long, especially if he continues to strike out at the rate he is. Um, I'm going to check right now. I think it's actually over 50% right now. Um, 
I mean, you just can't be doing that. Uh, it's forty-one percent right now. It's it's only seventeen plate appearances, so yes, it's small. But he hasn't looked particularly good. He's swinging at everything. Um, I'm yeah, I'm just worried about Trevor Story. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is Story's deal, though. He's definitely a super streaky hitter. We saw it last year. Obviously, he came out and went bananas. It was it the year before, actually. That was the year before. Uh, when he came out and went bananas and then just went extremely cold. And uh, we saw it last year in streaks as well. And this is just the kind of player he's going to be. Uh, but, yeah, I agree. I, I actually, as much as a, of a story fan that I was years ago, I just didn't see him take any strides as far as plate discipline and you know, if you watch him play, he just swings at really, really, really bad pitches sometimes. Um, so if he could calm down and find patience, they'll be fine. But I just don't see it happening anytime soon. It hasn't happened. I think he is who he is at this point. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think that he's shown enough growth, um, or at least the growth that you kind of want to see at this point. Um, he's going to be an incredibly streaky player. Um, there are questions about how long that leash is, um, given the fact that Rogers is in the system. Um, but the one thing that Story does have on his side is it's a really good lineup, and I don't think that they're really lacking for offense. And he is very good defensively. True. Obviously, that's not really what you want to hang your hat on when you're talking about fantasy because – if he sucks offensively, you don't want him to play. <laughs> so he's a, um, he, he's a really weird guy to project too. Like I, I changed my projections for him this offseason like a thousand times. Like what do, what do you guys what did you guys project for him preseason? Twenty seven homers, eleven steals, two forty forty. Okay, two forty. You know that that off the top of your head. That's my guess of what I had him for all right uh, I'll, I'll tell you in a second nick i'm just, just loading it up yeah uh, I, had, I, I had him around i had him around like 28 and like 15 steals but like the batting yeah. average is just yeah so i'm at 245 27 bombs and seven steals yeah so we're, we're all gonna be in the same neighborhood when it comes to him yeah despite him being somewhat difficult to figure out he's not really um there's not really a wide range of where you would project him to come out. So wait, Nick, since you're, you kind of seem to be a little bit like, okay. And I agree. He is streaky. So like, when would you start, when would you start to get worried? Like, 30 like listen, well, I said it, I said it in our previous podcast and I could admit I was probably wrong. Like I said that Brendan Rogers, um, is lurking and all this stuff, but he hasn't played triple a yet. And the Rockies have made some bold moves like in the past with, with their minor league players bringing him up fast. Uh, but I don't know. I think he hasn't even played in double A that much. So I don't know if Rogers is really lurking. I, I, I think that maybe in a, in a month or two he might be. But right now I think there's enough time that Story could get back on track and, and solidify a spot in the lineup. We have, yeah, we have so, to wait a little bit longer. So pretty much like around 30 or 35 games. If yeah. he's still ice cold, then you're worried. Yep. Okay. Um. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out one guy real quick. Just we, he, they well, I'll throw out two guys. They both pitched today. We got to talk about them. Um, and uh, <laughs> here, here it comes. Here it comes. I wonder who this is. Well, look, let's start with Jack Flaherty, guy that oh! I, have, I have been obsessed with all of season. Um, 
and he came out today and pitched absolutely ridiculously. And I got texts all day and messages. Nick, you're the king. You're so smart. How did you do this? No one I can't said believe that. you did it again. Unbelievable. <laughs> no, yeah, no, somebody did. Nick texted himself. Yeah, I texted myself. <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, it's a guy that he's listen. Adam Wainwright is coming back next week. Um, the Cardinals, unfortunately, that's their guy. He's been there through and through. So he's going to come in and take Flaherty's spot. But whoever owns Flaherty at this point, or if he is owned in your league, he's going to get probably dropped. So go out and pick him up because he's going to make his way into that lineup at some point. Um, you've got some question marks and you've got some injuries in this rotation. And obviously you saw what Flaherty could do today. Uh, he had nine Ks, one walk, and five innings pitched, I believe, one earned run. He looked extremely sharp. The slider is absolutely ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's it's a plus-plus pitch. Um, so just go out and hold on to him. He's definitely a guy that's worth a stash. You guys agree that he's worth a stash? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And go ahead, Joe. No, the, the the command, man. It was it was on point. I he painted he painted a a fastball uh today on the corner. Man, it was it was a thing of beauty. Yeah, he, he really impressed today. And then uh, just quick with Junis, uh, Pat, you were on him. I was on him as well. What did you take from his start that he was – I mean, he was really good today. Yeah, I mean, he's got absolutely filthy breaking stuff. Um, and part of the reason why I was a huge fan of him was he's going to face a lot of soft lineups because that division's not any good. Um, and he decimated the Tigers today as – you know, you want a pitcher of his caliber to do a pitcher with his kind of stuff. Um, he looks like he took a leap forward in spring and carried it over into the season, which is another thing that you want to see. Um, he looks like he's really embraced his breaking stuff as um, a more significant part part of his arsenal than he did last year, um, which is what he needed to do. So, I mean, you know, this is a guy that's got you know, like top 40, top, I would even say top 35 type upside um, who is pitching in a good park, in a good division. Um, I'm all about it. If he's available, you go snatch him. If you think you can get him after he has a rough start from somebody who just got him on the cheap, go out and get him because I think he's going to be pretty good this year. Yeah, and listen, I brought them up. These two guys have to – pat myself on the back and have to just tell you guys that if there are two pitchers that are really small percentage owned out there that can break out, it's these two guys. Yeah. I think yeah. they certainly fit the criteria. Yeah. He's only uh 17% owned in Yahoo leagues too. So that's uh, Junis Junis. Okay. Let's move it to the closing situations. So, I mean, this is one of the big stories around baseball. Uh, Kenley Jansen has struggled out of the gate. He blew a save on Monday night, gave up three runs. The velocity has been up and down. Um, it was back up on Monday, but he still struggled. What do you do if you are the Jansen owner? Are you trying to buy him if you're not? And who do you think is next in line if Jansen was to go on the DL? Okay, so this is the perfect buy opportunity, the perfect buy opportunity right here on Jansen because he was taken too high in every draft, and now people might be struggling because he's, quote-unquote, trying to find his mechanics, and the season has already started. He should have done that in spring training. 
Um, so go out and buy him. Do not sell him if you own him right now. Let him get back on track, which he will because he's just so friggin' good. He only threw two innings, people. Don't panic and go out and buy him. So that's it. Okay, so I do agree that not selling and buying is the right move. Um, I think you'd still be pretty hard-pressed unless if someone's really panicking to buy on the cheap. Now, with that said, he's, there's definitely something up, right? And it's not just the velo. So yesterday in that blown save, he was a borderline strike called away from walking away on Goldie with a 1-2-3 inning, clean sheet. No one, no one says a word. Uh, he managed to walk Goldie, and then it all fell apart there. So, with that said, he threw a lot of sliders. So, he definitely doesn't have a feel for that cutter like he normally does. I mean, sometimes on in outings, he is just strictly throwing cutters. You don't even see another pitch. So, for him to throw that many sliders, and he, and he also looked visibly uncomfortable on the mound. Um, so, I could totally see a phantom DL stint coming coming up. Um I don't think there's honestly anyone else in the Dodgers bullpen really worth owning. I think Jansen's still going to be the guy. He's going to have a long leash. Um, and I do agree with you. I think he'll figure it out. Okay. I think we're going to have some disagreement here. Um, so I, I, up front, I do agree with Nick. I think that if you're not, if you don't own Jansen, this is a really good buying opportunity. If I own Jansen, I'm not going to sell him, but I disagree with Joe that I, I think that there's a guy, I think there's a guy in this pen that you can go out and grab and provide yourself some insurance with for, um, I shouldn't say for if Jansen hits the DL. Um, and I think that I think it's Josh Field. Um, he has pitched in the eighth inning. He had a pretty good year last year. He was over a K per nine. He's gotten off to a good start this year. I think he was just uh, placed on one of the leave lists. It might have been paternity. Um, but, you know, he'll be back in a few days. Uh, I imagine Jansen's not going anywhere just yet. And I don't expect him to take the job per se. But if you expended the draft capital that it took to get Jansen, you – need to get out in front of this. You cannot be expending your in-season fab or waiver priority on trying to get fields if Jansen does go on the DL. So you need to take whoever the last guy is on your roster, in my opinion, and cut them loose and grab fields as a preemptive ad. If you're speculating for saves, if you're going week to week, I think Fields is a good add because I do foresee a DL stint coming up. And again, I think Joe's right. I think it's sort of a phantom DL stint, but Fields might be able to provide you two or three saves in a very short period of time and is readily available. So again, that's another guy that you can grab. And, you know, if Jansen comes out and between, you know, today and Sunday has two clean saves, then you just cut you cut fields again. I mean, it's it's a zero cost opportunity. There's almost no opportunity cost adding him, but I I think in those two situations you need to. Now let me ask you this, guys. So if you're looking to make an offer for Jansen, 
what do you think is a good opening bid? And by good opening bid, I mean the offer is in your favor, but it is not insulting. But uh, just strictly closers, like what 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 closer? Give me what you would offer for Jansen right now. It doesn't have to be close. I'm assuming the person's going to want a closer back, but you can make up your own offer, and I'll throw mine out there while okay. you guys think about it. So how about? Okay, go ahead. You got how one. About the, yeah. How about um, Jordan Montgomery and Alex Colome for Jansen? See, I think we're sort of on the same page. Mine was Cody Allen and Eugenio Suarez. Yeah, th those are pretty similar. Yeah, I think that's a good offer. I think I'd probably rather have. I'd I'd probably rather have Suarez the Suarez side. M meaning, Cody Allen and Suarez over. Yeah, Jansen. Jordan Montgomery and. Oh no! I'm just saying. I'd rather have like Suarez and Allen, and over, Allen Jansen. over Jansen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, it's, obvi it's obviously based on team comp, but uh, this is just an example of the kind of players that. But yeah, yeah, I think that's a fair offer. Yeah, and right? I don't so, think like, you're gonna get. I don't think anybody's gonna get offended at that. You know, because you're no, gonna have no to walk way. that. Kind of have to walk that very careful line at this point, where Jansen's like a significant piece of somebody's team, so you don't want to come out of the gate offering, uh, you know. Uh, I'm trying to think of like an insulting offer. Uh, Andrew Heaney and, uh, you know, Carlos Gomez, Carlos Gomez. <laughs> yeah. You, you don't want to, you don't want to insult anybody. You don't want to burn any bridges. I, I think that's a good starting point. And I wouldn't move too much from that, but I could probably go up a little bit from there. Uh, all I'd like to say is paging Brandon Morrow. Paging mm. Brandon Morrow. I know, right? God. I wish they would have kept him. Yeah. Okay, let's move it to across town. The Angels. Blake Parker has a save, but also was removed on Sunday and replaced by Keenan Middleton. Pedrosian has struggled in this pen. What do you make of this situation? By God, that's Jim Johnson's music. Oh, no. This is just, this is. <laughs> you disgusting. knew it was going to happen. We all knew it was going to happen. This is just awful. This whole situation. Dude, did you really think this, this year would go by without Jim Johnson being the closer at some point? It's going to happen, and he's going to keep the job the entire season. This is what he does. He's like the creepiest guy in baseball. You just, you just, you just you sign him like to be like a <laughs> mid reliever, and he just takes over the team. He's like, I'm the closer now. Don't yeah. care. <laughs> he, he puts everyone through a table. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, why weren't the Angels on Greg Holland? Like, that's the first know. question. I mean, it, if it was, but they, money, do, they do have good arms in the pen, though. Like these guys are good, but Bajorjan's been awful. Yeah, but Bajorjan, you can't deny the talent. It's like, it's yeah, but like, he's been terrible. He's been terrible, but like this year, he's been terrible. Last year, he was hurt. And then, and then two days ago, Parker pitched himself into a jam, and and Middleton, I don't really know if I can get behind. His command is poor. He doesn't really hide the ball well. Yeah, but we all and, <sighs> and he like pitched okay the other day. I mean, like. They're all like 
<laughs> it really, listen, it's really not that much of a mess. You compare this pen it right now. It is really a mess. No, 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 no. listen. No, because these guys are good. Joe Parker is good. Bajorjian is good. Jim Johnson, believe in, it or not, he's actually stints, not a bad though, In stints. But listen, right now they're bad over the first week of baseball. Look yeah. at the Yankees pen right now. It is atrocious, and we have the best ballpen in baseball. Canley's off to a bad start. Robertson, forget about Batances. It's just it's the first week of baseball. It's still cold out. Let these guys stretch out. The pen will end up being fine. It's as cold of right in now, Anaheim? Well, no, not in Anaheim. But as of right now, just <laughs> bet on Jim Johnson. I can get behind getting behind Jim Johnson. It's like it, it, I just don't have a lot of faith in everyone else. I mean, Bedrosian, even even when he's good, he's just going to get hurt. Yeah. I yeah, like I, I, I drafted Bedrosian in multiple spots. I've claimed Middleton. I don't have much faith in Parker. And, well, it's not even that I don't have faith in Parker. I just don't have faith in Mike Sosha's faith in Parker. It's a good spot to speculate. Maybe somebody emerges, but I don't think you want to be counting on anybody in this pen because I think that this is going to be one of those situations where, you know, the saves leader on the Angels, one, might not be on the team right now, or two, it's going to be one of those situations where the saves leader has like 15 and they have three yeah. or four guys with five plus. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not a good situation. Okay, Baltimore. Brock blew a save on opening day. Givens came in in extras to close it out. Darren O'Day is lurking. What are your thoughts here? I think right. Givens just gave up a home run just now. Yeah, right? yeah. I, I wanted to mention that, right? So Givens came in in the sixth, and he gave a two up a two-run bomb to Reddick. So initially when I had this written, it was Givens, Brock, O'Day. Uh, now I don't know about that. Givens definitely isn't going to be in line for saves. I mean, I think he's still in in line for saves. It was just, you know, one bad outing, but... Well, um, it came in in the sixth inning. True. True. Yeah, he's kind of... He's like Bedrosian in that sense. Like, uh, the manager doesn't want to use him as the closer. And I said this all along about Givens when we were talking about Baltimore in the preseason. It's... They don't... They don't have any motivation to give Givens saves because... It's just going to make them expensive, and they're not going to be good. So why would they use him in that role? I'm buying O'Day. I think O'Day is yeah, going to end up being I the guy here. I think it's O'Day now, honestly. Like, I, I do, and I said this before the season started, that I thought he was, like, one of the better values in terms of guys that you could get dirt cheap late that could find their way to 15 or 20 saves. He's been a really good reliever before. He was hurt last year. By all accounts, he's healthy. Um, I, I'm buying Darren O'Day at this point. Yeah, I like O'Day. The, you can't not like him. The K rate is really good. Um, the, he does walk guys, but it's in the range where it's okay because he strikes out so many. Um, but yeah, I like him as well, and he could he could very well run away with this job. This happens every year in Baltimore. <laughs> it's getting annoying now. All right, let's move it to the Cardinals. They signed Greg Holland, as we mentioned at the top of the show. Leon came on the ninth on Sunday with a four-run lead. I believe he's in the game now as we speak. 
He came in at the end of the eighth to get one out, and I imagine he's going to come back out for the ninth. Yes. Lions hasn't been anywhere near the ninth. Instead, it has been Jordan Hicks setting up. What do you make of the situation? Is it Holland's job, or are you betting on Leon, Hicks, or Lions? Uh, I, it's definitely going to be Holland's job, I think. Hicks is like 10 years old, and he doesn't even play. He didn't even play in double A Bowl. Somehow he worked his way up, right up to the majors, but he does have good command, and I guess that could be a reason why. Um, Leon is really filthy. This this pen is underrated, really good. Yeah, right? it's really good. Yeah, I like all these. And guys. Lions is good. Yeah, they, no, listen, the pen is no joke. Um, these guys all have really filthy, filthy stuff, but it's going to be Holland's job. He's the season the closer, and this team is like sneaky good this year, and they're going to compete. So Holland is definitely the closer. I think Leon's going to end up being the setup guy. Hicks will be like seventh inning, whatever, and then whatever else. But I think Leon and Holland are the guy, the guys to keep an eye on. Yeah, they got to get Hicks in the game before it's his bedtime. So yeah, he's got to like throw like the seventh inning is like where he maxes out because he's got to be <laughs> yeah. by ten. Yeah, it's <laughs> Holland's job though. For me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it's Holland's job, but I do think Leon is worth owning in most formats because I think he'll be good source of ratios. I think he'll throw multiple innings. And if Holland sputters or gets hurt, I think he goes right back to the job. So Holland and then Leon as the uh, ratio guy if you need it. Okay, San Francisco. Strickland got two saves relatively clean over the weekend. The last report on Melanson was Bochy saying they hope to have him back in a couple of weeks. And that was before the season began. So it's been radio silence since then. Do you think Strickland saves more games than Melanson this year? And over under nine and a half saves for Melanson? Uh, this was tough. Um, if I had a pick, I'm probably going to go with Strickland um, at getting more saves. And I think that I'm going to go with the under on Melanson. Even though like the Gi- another Giants, similar to the Cardinals, are going to – well, I mean, Mad Bum hurt them. But they're still going to compete this year. Um, and you know, you want to have the season to closer in Melanson who's got a ton of experience and who's been, you know, awesome really. Uh, but I'm a believer in Strickland stuff and last year was bad. He was wild. He walked more guys than usual. That number's going to come way down. There's going to be less guys on base. The ERA's going to come down and the K per nine is going to go up around 10. Uh, I'm a big believer in this stuff still, but I think that if you are the manager of the Giants, you'd rather have. Melanson is the closer. Strickland is the setup guy. It's just a little cloud. It's too cloudy right now. Yeah, so I think this is actually a question just about health, right? If Melanson's healthy, I think he'll get over 15 saves, and I think he'll be the closer. Uh, despite all of our like for Strickland, I think we all like Strickland to, to varying degrees. Um, but I think if uh, he comes back, he's the closer. And uh, if he gets hurt again, then it'll be Strickland's job again. Yeah, I'm going to say that I think it's Strickland is going to save more games, and and I'm going to go under on Melanson. I'm really concerned about Melanson at this point. The reports are really disturbing about the condition of his arm. Um, You know, I I believe that there was a report that said that the muscle had turned gray when they had looked at it during the offseason. I'm not the biggest fan of Strickland's talent. I think he's a capable pen arm but not special. But in this pen, he's easily the best reliever at the oh moment. My God, by far. It's awful. Um, 
I own shares in multiple places and I'm pleased to have capitalized because I think he's got a better than 50% shot to keep the job for the whole year because I'm not sure we're going to see Melanson again. Breaking news. Otani just Otani. hit a three-run home Bomb. Run. Off of yeah. Josh Tomlin, yeah. That's awesome. That's what happens with Josh Tomlin. He's, you know? he's, he's, yeah. This is just a classic Josh Tomlin game where he's just going to give up a billion runs. Yeah, it's 6-2 in the first inning. Yep. That's what Josh Tomlin does. Okay. Let's move to the White Sox. Soria got the first save up. Renteria insists Jones will still see opportunities as well. Who would you rather have? Uh, definitely Nate Jones. Yeah, definitely Nate Jones. Yeah, I'll make it a clean, clean sweep. Even if it's, you know, Soria 65-35 in terms of the split, I'd give the nod to Jones because I want the ratios. Yeah. Okay, and the Phillies. Neris blew a save. Uh, Kepler stated that there is no defined closer in Philadelphia. Nishak is on the DL. He's actually going for an MRI. Do you still believe in Hector Neris? Neris will finish as a top six or seven closer this year. Yeah, I still believe in Neris. Uh, Kepler has no idea what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but isn't that, isn't that a bad thing? Uh, yeah, but uh, Neris is still a guy. Okay. I'm like not worried about Luis Garcia and well, Ray Ramos. Neris, didn't Neris get the extension? Oh no. You know, I don't actually know. I, I, think, don't he, know. I think he I think he got paid this offseason. Nick, you're up. definitely the person that would know about Hector Neris. I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up. Yeah, I mean I like Nishak, but I can't uh, no. like him too much when he's hurt. Okay. So if Nishak was healthy, I'd probably be buying shares of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, uh, I don't know. Because I think, well, in the past, he's been used as, like, the high leverage guy. I, I mean, who knows with Gabe Kapler? So I guess you're right. But but uh, Nishak is definitely, the by far and away, the second best reliever in the pen. Gabe Kepler, agent of chaos. <laughs> All right, so we're going to move into a segment we're going to call the eye test. We're going to talk about two players that are passing the eye test for us early in the season and one that is not. I am first up, and I'm going to talk about Gregory Polanco. Polanco has looked fantastic. The swing looks great, and I think what's really impressive, pitchers are already pitching around him. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you real quick, but Dominic Leone just blew that save. Oh, no. Christian Yelich hit hit a solo home run to tie it up. Oh, okay. Well, you know, no one saw that coming because <laughs> Christian Yelich is now in Milwaukee and he's just going to hit 20 bombs. But yeah. Okay. Thanks, Joe, for interrupting my uh, love of Gregory Polanco. Sorry I'll get right back to it. <laughs> um, so yeah, with Polanco, the swing looks great. Pitchers are already pitching around him. It's only been a handful of games, but Monday, he was walked four times, including once intentionally. The ball has been flying off the bat, into the air, and on a line. We said it in the preview shows, he's just 26, and this could be the big breakout that everyone was waiting on. Here we go again. Um, <laughs> this, Wait, is, this, is, this is ongoing with – yeah, Polanco, are you kidding me? This is ongoing for the last, like, three years. The breakout, the breakout, the breakout. Uh- Pat has definitely loved Gregory Polanco since he was a child. Yeah. He was like an uh, infant. 
Yeah, listen. Oh, uh, Dominic line, Leone didn't just blow the save, but he just lost the game because he just gave up a homer to Ryan Braun. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. Yeah, so it's Holland's job. Lock it up. Yeah, definitely lock it up. Go trade for him right now. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, with with Polanco, um, he uh, yeah, obviously he looks amazing so far this year. 579 OBP, but uh, he's been pretty injury-prone the last couple of seasons, and – I am not a big believer in the speed anymore. I am not a big believer in the pop, really. I don't like the swing. I am just not a fan of the guy. Um, I don't see the upside being like 25 plus 20 home, uh, twenty steals. I see it being more like 17 home runs, under 20 steals, kind of like underwhelming with like a 260 average. Just blah. Uh, I mean, he has looked good, so I can't hate. And uh, if he if he comes out swinging like he has so far, and he and he gets over twenty home runs, and even if he's not quite at twenty steals, but around there, I mean, we just talked at the top half of the show how uh, twenty twenty guys are underrated. So, yeah, and that and again, that Pirates offense is sneaky good. So, all right, who's your guy, Joe? Yeah, so it's actually your boy. Uh, X Man Xander Bogarts. Yeah, he uh, he's looked so far like he's he's hitting beach balls out there. I mean, he's just looked great. We know he's made this. Uh, he's he's mentioned about making a swing change, and it looks like he's had some success. Um, I know Pat will probably pour some cool water on this somehow. Um, but I think overall he's looked pretty good. Um, it has been really short, and today he went 0 for five. So I can't get too too excited but um it's a good sign to see him swinging the bat so well right out out of the gate yeah he looks great now he looked great in spring training and look at his obp the last four years he's just an on-base machine you could say what you want pat about his um his uh plate discipline and all that good stuff but bottom line is he gets on base year after year after year he's been very consistent with that um as far as the power and speed that yes it has been inconsistent but this year bank on him getting a right around 20 home runs um, 10 plus steals and really, really, really good average and a ton of counting stats. I'm still on board. I love Bogarts this year. Well, I don't have anything to say about, I mean, his plate discipline. His plate discipline has usually been pretty okay. Um, he hasn't walked yet this year, but I mean, you can't argue with the fact that the guy's gotten off to a good start and I'm not going to. Um, but I will say that although he's putting the ball in the air more, it's almost to the point where it's a little concerning. Um, he might be going too far. Uh, his fly ball percentage is 52.6%. Um, now, obviously, this is the smallest of sample sizes. So <laughs> it's nowhere near stabilization. So this is not saying he's going to end up hitting over 50% fly balls. But if he does, and he's never been a guy that's had any sort of outstanding exit velocity data or hard contact data, he could end up being kind of like Matt Carpenter last year without the walk rate. With maybe a few steals thrown in. Not so great. But, yeah, I mean, you have to be encouraged at this point. And my beef with Bogarts was always he's not that good as he is. If he's going to make a change and change the launch angle – and not go to an extreme extent with the launch angle, then he's not the player who I was talking about. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, then he becomes a guy that can hit 20 bombs and hit 280 and steal 10 to 15 bases. And it's a much better asset than what he's been over the course of most of his career. Mm-hmm. All right, Nick, you're up. All right. Uh, so my guy, uh, Paul DeYoung. I've watched a lot of Cardinals. Because, oh, yeah. It's a good um, Yeah, he looks – I you know what? I, I'm going to admit it. I completely overlooked him this offseason. Um, I, I, the guy is – he looks really, really good. That swing is no joke. When he hits home runs, they are friggin' bombs. Right now, the ad, the exit velo is 95.2. The launch angle is 22.59. I don't know if this is a swing change or what. I mean, the guy did hit for power in the past, but these numbers so far this year are off the charts. Um, he Unfortunately, he's at the end of that lineup, but I think there is room for him to move up. Um, and you look at last year, 25 home runs in 108 games. You look at AAA and AA the years in the past. I don't know. This is a guy I'm starting to think could maybe hit 30 home runs from this position, and it, it could be extremely valuable, and it could come with a pretty nice uh, batting average as well. So I am definitely keeping my eye on this guy because so far he is definitely impressed. Joe? I, I think that DeJong is kind of like um, Randall Grichuk at shortstop, which is – a good thing. I mean, if he can, I don't know about that. Well, batting average doesn't really have the speed. Well, yeah. Okay. So you give him a little more batting average because his batted ball data is a little better. And because he's got that line drive rate, um, but you take away the speed. So they basically turn into an equivalent sort of asset. Um, except that DeJong's got shortstop. Um, he's not my typical type of player because he doesn't walk much. In fact, I don't think he's walked this year. Um, and he's still got a K rate over 30%. Um, but there's no denying the fact that the guy's got contact ability and that he hits the ball very, very hard when he hits it. And he also hits the ball in the air a significant amount of time. So I think the power is pretty for real. It's just a matter of whether the batting average is going to be, you know, 270, 250, or 230, uh, of which are possible outcomes. I don't think 230 is a possible outcome, but Joe, I'm guessing from your reaction you watched, so tell us what you think. Yeah, I I, I liked what I saw. The strikeout rate is concerning, right? So it's a lot of what you you both said, right? When he's making contact, it's hard, and he hits the ball with authority. Um, But I kind of have to agree with that a little bit, that – there is probably going to be a little bit of strikeout or uh, batting average downside. And he's kind of, he's in a way, um, he's sort of like scope in that regard. Like, I think the end mm-hmm. product might be yep. a lot like scope. Yeah. Right? Like, except, that's a better comp. Except DeJong has a much better batted ball profile. Yeah. Like so DeJong, DeJong's Babip is more likely to be. Um, in excess of 300 than scopes, in my opinion. Yeah, what I, what I that comp is really more like close your eyes and then open them and see what the the end lines are like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I understand the point. Yeah, not, not like the uh, not the mechanics of it, but yeah, I I I I think he does pass the eye test. Okay, my second guy is Garrett Cole. Oh my goodness, <laughs> I was a bit cool on Cole in the 
preseason, but he looked fantastic in his first start. The pitch mix was working. He was getting swings and misses. The fastball usage was down to approximately um, 50%. He had about 10 down 10% year over year. Um, Cole has a fantastic team behind him. There's no doubting that. Um, I think Joe might've been right when he said that the Astros will figure him out. Um, if the next turn is bad, I won't be discouraged. I'm going to put, I would put feelers out to see if Cole's owner is a bit nervous if he does struggle, because I, I think that this can be a legitimate step forward season for Cole. Um, and, uh, provided that they can continue to keep that fastball usage down and keep the usage of the breaking and off-speed stuff up. Yeah. Uh, so I was a huge fan of Cole uh, going into the draft. I've always been a huge fan of his. My issue with him uh, last year – well, not last year. The year before last was durability. Um, a couple of years in a row after first coming up to the majors, we kept hearing about arm fatigue towards the end of the year, so that was a bit worrisome. And obviously he had the injury in 2016, which – um, you know, I put that with the fatigue and then I was just questioning if the guy can pitch on an entire season. Um, but right now you got to say the Astros seem to have some voodoo magic. They might be one of these teams that have some voodoo magic. Uh, they took in Verlander and Verlander had one of the best second halves I've ever seen in, in my life. McCullers looks awesome so far. Um, Charlie Morton looks awesome. Kike, they're getting up. They got I mean, a lot even, of Kike. Even Colin McHugh, man. I was about to say Colin McHugh. And, and, the, and the pen. Look at Brad Peacock. And look at these – Will Harris. Um, these guys kind of came out of nowhere and just have completely overachieved. So it's time to start looking at guys who find themselves in Houston and saying, what's the upside? And Cole had major upside and is now in Houston. And they've tapped into what the upside is. And I think he's in a role this year. I'm all over it as well. I think it's a great pick, Pat, on Cole, and I, I. This is a guy who could possibly be a Cy Young candidate in the AL. He's got. He's that good. Now, um, the one thing I'll say, right, is that there is historically a v- pretty strong correlation. Oh yeah, that is gone. <laughs> oh my God, Remick did it again. This game is unbelievable. Sorry. Woo! Sorry. Yeah. So Josh Reddick just hit a grand slam. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Uh, the, the only thing I'll say is that there's a pretty strong correlation between breaking pitches and injury. Um, so he could be flagged for an injury risk, Cole, um, with a further increase in the breaking balls. But with that said, I love him, um, and I think he'll do great things. I'm going to roll right into the to my next guy who passes the eye test, and that's his teammate, Lance McCullers. Um, my goodness, we talked about McCullers looking ridiculous during spring training and he looked even crazier in this yeah. last start the changeup right the changeup which he was working on a lot looked crazy the spin on this pitch is absurd i think if he stays healthy he could definitely he can legitimately win the Cy Young this year yeah yeah i agree um yeah, I don't. I don't disagree with that at all. You, you can't. You can't not. The movement that this guy gets on his pitches is is just absolutely insane. Um, and as far as eye test goes, he might be like the best quote unquote eye test pitcher in the entire league because everything he throws is insane. Um, it's like he's throwing a friggin' wiffle ball out there. I drafted him. And I traded him at the draft to avoid injury risk, and that's obviously the big question with him going forward: is can he stay healthy? And if he can, he can certainly win the Cy Young and. 
be one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. Uh, you, you, I love him. Yeah, I mean, there's no denying the guy's stuff. Um, I will point out, though, didn't he – wasn't there a report this week about some sort of injury that he's dealing with? Oh, no. Or am I wrong? Yeah, I didn't see uh, that. You're not wrong. Let me let me look it up. I, I, I can't remember what it was. Oh, yeah, no. and that's always the issue. I mean, and 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 it's not only the issue. It's it's the Astros are more likely to be careful with McCullers, being that he is um, has such elite upside, given their depth. I mean, we were talking earlier today off off air about the Astros generally and just their depth. And I mean. Their sixth and seventh starters are Colin McHugh and Brad Peacock. That is at worst like a three or four on another team. Yeah. And on a good team, no mm-hmm. less. So, I mean, if there is an inkling that McCullers is not healthy, I do not think they will hesitate to throw him onto the DL, give him two or three weeks, and let McHugh and Peacock, you know, either handcuff their way through starts or start one um, completely, um, you know, outright for a few weeks. So that's the one downside when it comes to McCullers. Yeah, so uh, the only the only thing I found was that the fact that he got hit with the ball on a comebacker, um, there's no official injury report on McCullers. Okay. Um, all right, so my guy, a guy that I really haven't spoken about much on the pod, and I know Pat – is a big fan of Roark. That's correct, right, Pat? Roark. Yes, I like Roark yeah. quite a bit. So I, I watched his start, and, and I have to say that he passed the eye test for me in this start. He looked extremely sharp. The command was insane. Um, the breaking stuff was really, really good. And, you know, I, after watching the start, I was like, damn, like how, how good can this guy be? And I looked at the years past at the – K rate and the walk rate and the ratios have always been pretty strong. And it seems like he's gotten unlucky a lot of the years in, as far as ERA goes in the league. So I'm just kind of thinking that if he, if he can pitch to his full potential, like in 2018 or in any of the years that are coming up, I just feel like he could put together a year where he has like a strong K per nine, you know, the strong ratios will be there, but he could kind of like pitch, like a sub three, three ERA. Um, so I'm just, I'm just, he's on my stash list. He's got it. I'm watching. I'm hoping that he kind of has like a blow up start soon. So I could go out and just like make a trade for him because I feel like that the Roark Arna may bail quick. Um, and I don't think that they really hold his value too high regardless because of the ADP, but he just looked really good to me the last start and I'm watching him. Yeah. Roark's a guy that I, I thought was sort of undervalued in the, in the pre-draft process one, because um, although he's been somewhat up and down, he has had very, very good seasons before. And those seasons were um, backed by the sort of Dallas Keuchel skill of contact management. And Roark is very good at inducing soft contact and suppressing hard contact, which he did very well again last year. He was simply unlucky. And not only did he do that well last year, but the second half last year, he also upped his K rate to around a strikeout per inning. And if my memory serves me correctly, it was almost over a strikeout per inning. 
Um, and that was based upon um, de-emphasizing his fastball um, and relying more on his off-speed and breaking stuff, uh, you know, which is the popular trend around the league like we just spoke about with Cole. So in my, in my theory, my, my theory when it came to Roark is, one, he's pretty good for innings. Um, so he's a good stabilizer if you've got risk in your rotation. Two, he got unlucky last year and has the ability to manage contact. And three, there's upside if he can keep the K rate gains that he made last year. And I think he can because I think because he's got so many pitches, they all play up off each other, even if they're not above average offerings. You know, something to tack on here, too. Um, I know none of us play in a wins league. Um, but in a league with wins, Roark's got like sneaky oh, potential but, yeah. there because yeah. man, this team is gonna score a billion runs. Definitely. Yeah, so, and they're all gonna get scored by Adam Eaton. Yeah, they are. So <laughs> I, I mean, like, what do you have? Thirteen last year, thirteen last year, and sixteen the year before. I could see him getting like up to seventeen or eighteen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a great point. Okay, so. I'm going to give you a player that I don't think passes the eye test in early going in. It's uh, Nick's friend, Odebel Herrera. Herrera has not looked great when he has played. And there's the issue that on opening day and throughout this week, he hasn't played every day. Uh, the Phillies have Kingery up after signing him to an extension. If you count him, that's five outfielders for three spots with Nick Williams, Aaron Altair. Uh, and Reese Hoskins. Uh, Herrera is a player that's notorious for slumps and a lack of discipline. I don't think that's going to play well in Gabe Kepler's um, clubhouse. Um, so if he struggles for even a short period, I think his playing time could be completely sunk. And I think he was a player that really regressed in terms of his talent last year. Um, he, he didn't have the walk rate that he had in the prior year. He... He just didn't produce at the same level that we thought he would. And this year he's not off to a good start. He doesn't look good at the plate again. And they have options. So I'm just worried he's going to find himself as a fourth outfielder before the season's done. Even if even if Odubalubalubal was hitting 1,000 right now and had five home runs, he still wouldn't pass the eye test. Because he has the ugliest stance in the history of baseball, um, it's just it's ridiculous. It's it's just hard to look at. But uh, yeah, no, you're listen. You're right. The, the Phillies lineup is stacked right now. Kingery is off to a pretty good start. He's batting like 500. He's got a really good OBP. Um, and the lineup, they've got a ton of guys there. So Adubel's got to step it up quick, or else he's gonna find his ass on the bench the entire season. I'm gonna I'm gonna attack on too uh, with the, another Phillies player, and that's Mikel Franco. He also looks awful. Um, yeah. He, I, you know, he's running I, out of time. I, he's running out of time, right? So I talked about I talked about that uh, that batting stance change um, on that third base pod, and then I mentioned in spring training how it looked like he uh, he tweaked it back to what he what he had done in the past, and it looks the same. So he's not. He's not doing whatever uh, that 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 I think it was a closed batting stance, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember if it was closed or open, but he was drastically closed, clo- closed, right? And he's steered away from that when he had success. 
and he's awful. He's been awful in the spring. He hit six home runs in the spring, but it came with like a sub 200 batting average. He's looked bad now. And like Pat just mentioned, there's a lot of, a lot of different options in Philadelphia. And these guys, their time could be running out for younger players, even though Franco and Herrera both aren't old. Um, all right. So I'm going to go into my guy. I, I, Pat got mad at me before because I couldn't pick a guy that failed the eye test. Um, because so far I've just I've been impressed with too many guys. I want I want to talk about guys that passed the eye test. God, and you and your damn that, positivity. Yeah, I'm too positive. You need some there's, negative negativity in your life. <laughs> Listen, there's one guy that honestly we spoke about here and there, but now we definitely need to talk about him after this first week of baseball, and that's Jose Martinez. Um, mm-hmm. so. I said it to you guys. I texted you the other day. I think it was like day one, like the first day of baseball, that they announced that Martinez was going to be the everyday first baseman. Then, Pat, you got the official word, and you tweeted it. Um, but so I already told you guys my projections on Jose Martinez, and they were absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Pat, Pat was a fan of Martinez as well. If you've watched him so far this year, there is no way you're not impressed. This guy makes hard contact on every single ball he hits, and he sprays the ball all over the field. I I just am so excited to be an owner of this guy, and if you can go out right now and buy him, go out and buy him because he is holding on to this position. He started every single game for the Cardinals so far. far. He's either batting fourth or fifth in the lineup, and I think once we get past the first couple of weeks, because today I think he went three for four again, um, he's going to solidify himself in the cleanup spot in that lineup. And he's behind guys who have really good OBP and Fowler and Carpenter and Pham. Um, So the RBI totals could be really good. The home run totals, we know he has the pot. And last year, he had a 379 OBP. 379 in 307 at-bats. That is not a small sample size. This is a very, very, very skilled hitter. So I'm starting to, like, go nuts on what this guy could do in a full season. And I'm really looking forward to it. Take a look at him when you have a chance. Go out and buy uh, shares. What do you guys see so far from Martinez this year? Okay, can I just chime in first? Uh, I just want to go on the record in saying that I was also a believer. So in 600 plate appearances, my projection was 291, 26 home runs and 11 stolen bases, which is pretty damn good. I know, Nick, you're even higher than me, but I still think that's pretty Hot, yeah, Joe, cool. that's pretty close to what I had. What's the batting average, Joe? Two ninety-one. Okay, yeah, that, that's really good. Y- yeah, yeah, so we were all pretty much on board. Yeah, um, this was all about playing time. Yeah, it was all about playing time, and now he's got it from day one, so he's gonna be awesome. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely echo what Nick said in terms of, you know, if he's by chance available, go out and scoop him up. If you think you can get him, you know even paying a reasonable rate to get him, so uh, is, that, I think is worthwhile. That was going to be my question. So like if, if you took Martinez, then you obviously, if you drafted Martinez, you obviously felt like, Oh, if he gets a playing time, he's going to break out. Like we all thought. Mm-hmm. So now he's got, now he's got the playing time. So now the owner of Martinez is obviously highing his value in more high regard than anybody else. So what, what is a, an offer? Like, just throw me like a either a one for one player or pitcher, anyone that you think would be a good offer for Mart- for a Martinez owner. Mm. It's kind of tough. 
I was, yeah, I was tough. That was, I was going to get to this. Like he's a hard guy to throw out a trade idea for. So like I was thinking, and if I was the Martin, I am the Martinez owner. I would, I would decline it. But like, where do you, th- I, I was thinking Kevin Kiermeyer as a starting bid. Nah, probably going to go higher than that. So higher than, all right. So higher than Kiermeyer. So Brett, higher than Brett Gardner, higher than, um, who's another guy? Let's see. Well, like, I'm the Polanco owner, and I like Jose Martinez, but I wouldn't do Polanco. Okay, Pat, if you own Hosmer. Uh, I would never own Hosmer, so that's. If you did. All right, so who's going to have a vacuum right now in a vacuum? Martinez or Hosmer? Oh, Jose Martinez. Easily. Joe, be realistic. Uh, I'd, be rather, realistic. I'd rather have oh. Jose Martinez. Wow. But it is close. It's saying a lot. It is close, though. It, I know, but it's it's definitely saying a lot. It's yeah, but it's close. All right, Pat, would you rather have Jose Martinez or Adrian Beltre right now? Oh, oh without a doubt, Jose Martinez. Uh, See, I think that's getting close. Uh, that's close. Um, Martinez. Uh, I mean, you're not going to get the steals from Beltre. Yeah, but uh, Jose Martinez is still on that line where his playing time could go to zero. Like, I know he's got it right now, but. All right. So Beltre seems like this might be the guy. So Pat, pick a guy. Beltre or Martinez. Pains me to say it, but I think I'd stay with Beltre. Really? Oh, I'll definitely take Martinez. It's not even close. All right. Last one. Josh Bell or, or Martinez. This isn't close either. It's I think I'd take Martinez. Okay. Yeah, Martinez. Wow. All right, so let's just put a number on it right now. Can if we were if we were ranking today? Yep. You'd probably put Jose Martinez overall at what? Overall? Overall? overall. Yeah. Oh. Give me and it could just it could be a ballpark for you guys. Redraft ADP. Uh, yeah. pro- probably like a shy. Like probably between 100 and 125. I was gonna say 120 would be my number off See, the top I, of my head. I would be like in the 95-ish area, like because like all right. So I'm looking at 95 right now ADP, like mm-hmm. post. So post 95, you have Acuna, Odor, um, Didi, Sano, Castellanos. Like those are the next guys. Yeah, and I think he's in that group. Yeah, he is in that group. It. I think it comes down to like team team need at that point, right? Like, if you needed a second baseman and you had a first baseman, getting the door is fine. Um, if you needed a third baseman, getting someone like Castellanos is okay. Yeah, I think that's, like, the right tier. I don't know. But I don't the, think I'm taking any of those guys over Jose Martinez. <laughs> you know what? You know what it is? Because he's the only guy out of that group that's going to get you the batting average with the pot. And the well, steals. Castellanos can. Uh, the steals. It's the steals. I mean, what? A 10? <laughs> <laughs> You're Mr. Ted Steele, Nick. I know, like that's the thing. Like, I mean, his upside is ten. I think I don't, I don't see him. You don't think I, he's got the sneaky speed? I'm gonna be honest. I I probably watched more Jose, Jose Martinez than anyone so far this season, and I don't see the speed from him at all. Like, I just, I just don't. I, I hope I do. What? I cue, hope... cue the uh, cue the 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 kid. Listen, get out, gift. I I hope I see it soon. I really do because I own him, but. Um, I just don't. 
I just don't. All right, all right, real quick. Jose Martinez, Yazel Puig. Puig, Puig, Puig. Come on. Yeah, Puig. Now, now yeah. you're, now you're going crazy. Now you're bugging. Well, Puig is one seventeen ADP for some reason. Yeah, well, you know, ADP doesn't dictate my life. How about I, that? I agree. <laughs> but that's the whatever. All right. okay, okay, guys. Wait, all right, that's wait, enough. Wait, wait. No, 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 wait. Before we wrap up the show, though, I don't want to talk about Jose Martinez. I do okay. want to talk about my boy Cole Hamels. Oh, God. Wait, so this is really relevant, though, right? Because uh, I know we we joke around that Cole Hamels is not relevant at all and that he's losing it and his velo is down. But, dude, he just had a great start against the, arguably the best offense in baseball. And right now, through three innings, he's got eight strikeouts. Joe, you are so the Cole Hamels guy. And I'm I'm the, obsessed with him, and I don't know why. On, you have moved on from Elvis Andrews. And you are, <laughs> yeah, you are, you are definitely the Cole Hamels guy. <laughs> yeah, seriously. The thing is, though, is I don't like him, right? Because I still think that Velo you is You said concern. the same thing about Elvis Andrews. <laughs> Yo, Elvis Andrews has looked pretty good, too. <laughs> <laughs> he has looked good. Yo, Joe. Joe, just just to let you know, I'm looking right now at his velo. Have you looked at the velo so far this year? For Cole Hamels, it's awful. It's like 89. It's it's 89. That's Joe. what I just said. I know, but it was it was 92 last year, and that I was a know. down year. I know, but dude, he's looked great so far. But yeah, I so oh, the real the real point I want to get to is Cole Hamels represents an awesome selling opportunity. Um, not yet. You got to give him a couple more. Dude, he's got eight strikeouts for three Dude, and two it's thirds. it's going to explode. <laughs> you can't yeah, wait that yeah, he's going to – he is, he is like Jordan Zimmerman this year. Like yeah, but why would you Jordan wait? Zimmerman? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Why would you wait? Okay. He, all because right, you all need right. – you... Let's turn this into something useful. Go ahead. You own Cole Hamels. Yeah. Who are you trying to get? Junis. No, I'm higher than that. Uh, Jordan Montgomery. Joe, oh you're God. the you're the guy that's saying do it. Who would you target? Put them on the spot. I I I like Montgomery's a good good guy. Let me let me look at let me look at some pictures. Um, Corbin like Patrick Walker. Corbin. Yeah, uh, J A Hap. J A Hap. Yes. Charlie Morton. Tra- yes. But that's Morton is the happening. Morton's not happening. But Hap is a possibility. I, I think I think someone like Corbin might be the guy. See, I think Hap is like the best possible guy out of that group. Yeah, well, you think well, Hap have, is like the I, greatest I, pitcher I, in baseball. Well, I literally had Corbin. Well, I had Corbin and Hap literally ranked next to each other, so I'm cool with either of them. Okay. All right, I'm gonna call this episode. That's fair. This is it. All right. No more talk about Cole Hamels and no more talk about Jose Martinez. All right, cool. Guys, let them know where the listeners, if they're still listening out there, can find you on Twitter. Hey, I just want to say, for our first in-baseball season pod, this was pretty damn good. I it was. was. Thinking, yeah, I was thinking, uh, I don't know, it's the you know preseason, you do all the rankings, but this was pretty good. So anyway, you can find me at Nick, FWO. Tweet me all your whatever's questions. I don't know. It's Thank not like you. he'll answer anyway. Send me some pictures. Uh, you can find me at <laughs> Joe FWO. And we appreciate the tweet so far. Um, thanks a lot for tweeting at us, guys. We appreciate it. Yeah, you guys can hit us up anytime. You can find me on Twitter at Patrick FWO. And we will be happy to answer any and all questions that you might have in a completely or somewhat timely fashion. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back next week.
See you later. Enjoy some baseball. Yeah, peace. This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs, introducing the new Firehouse Pub Steak Sub with savory steak, crispy fried onions, and our rich Belgian beer cheese sauce. On tap for a limited time. Order yours at firehousesubs.com today. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2018 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.13% of every purchase.